bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hey guys, and welcome to Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Briona, my lovely co-host slash everything person, Catherine G. Mendoza. Catherine, say hi to the people. Hello, people. Hello. That was a little timid. That was more timid than I was expecting. It's it's so weird. We're like, I forget that this is a podcast because I'm always like, you know, are your lips chapped? All this stuff. And I'm like, they can't see you, but <laughs> we're still on Zoom. So yeah, I, I just assume somebody's going to watch this one day. Yeah. And just be like, um, her lips were mad chapped. <sighs> I would have listened yeah. to the beautiful point well, she was making, but her lips were chapped. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so I have something on my mind. Speak on it. Speak on it. You ready? Um, this is our what's good. Um, what's good? That's what it's, if we had a, if we had an intro for our segment, it'd be what's good. What's good? Um, what's good? Today, what's good is um, cold switching, y'all. Mm. See. Here's what I mean by it. So if you don't know what cold switching is, it's usually, um, I, I don't have the exact definition in front of me, should have done that. Um, but it, 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 it usually comes from, uh, I would like to say ADOS, you know, African-American communities or specific um, econ- um, economic communities where uh, they don't necessarily have access to what is considered proper English. Right. And so people with access to higher education have a certain like vocabulary and and just a way of expressing themselves. And so with that comes accents, comes dialects and all of that. So there are certain people who grow up in certain regions and have learned how to neutralize what may have been their original accent compared to what is the professional talk. Right. So your phone voice, your work voice, stuff like that. That's a version of code switching. But what made me think of it? was so recently um not recently actually a few months ago I had made a video about what does my accent sound like right and when I made that video somebody wrote a comment now comments don't offend me nor bother me but this one specifically made me very interested in the code switching conversation which is they were like this is fake look at her other videos she doesn't talk like that And I wanted, I think I did respond, but one thing that I responded with was because I code switch, because I know how to neutralize my tone. And here's the thing, it's like levels, right? Like me neutralizing my tone, I like to consider it like a dial. There's me at full blast, which is in the hypest tone. Mm-hmm. And ironically, that hype tone is also um, probably the way that I act the most on this podcast. It's the comfortable zone, right? So if you listen to this podcast, you get in me and Gina at our nitty gritty. This yep. is who we are. This is us um, at our at our most raw, at our most comfortable, which is why I'm giving Catherine these poetry snaps because everything she's saying, like, okay, they're poetry snaps, first of all, very annoying in comedy clubs, but 
when you do it, like sometimes you just need to accent the point when it's like, and you feel it. And it's just like, she is speaking on some serious truth. And first of all, whoever said that in your comment, I'm gonna find you. Catherine don't gotta say nothing to you. I'm gonna find who said that. I'm gonna find who said that in your comment. I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him. You trying to put <laughs> yeah, her on blast. You don't even know her. You don't even know her like that. Why don't you shut up? What if I look at your videos? They're not interesting. They're not interesting. I don't even need to see your videos. No, they're not interesting. They're not interesting. No, I, I'm pretty sure this person doesn't make like videos. two they followers and is like 14 years old. They troll. That's all they do. Um, but, you know, then the other settings of the accent tone thing is um, something to like, I think that it's also you learn how to do it. If you're fortunate enough to go to college, you have to experience um how to exist in environments that aren't where you're from. So for yes. instance, me, myself, I grew up, we've talked about this many times. We are light-skinned as hell, yep. right? And being light-skinned does not mean that we get discrimination because of our color. But nobody ever looked at me up close and thought to themselves, she's Anglo. Yep. No. My features do so not. Because of that. Yeah. My features are not like yeah. that. But on, on top of it, there's the other side to it where it's like, then there's a, there, there's already that perception. Then when I talk, now they're putting a class on you. So they've already put an ethnic and now they're putting a class. I am snapping because Catherine so is speaking facts. Go back to Cardi B's early videos when she was dropping knowledge and didn't nobody even want to think about the knowledge she was dropping because of the accent she had back then. That is now lessened, even though she still has the accent. It's not the same as when Cardi was on her Instagram and was and she had that thick Bronx girl accent. Like she just had that thick Latina accent from the Bronx and like people weren't paying attention to what she was saying. She was saying some really profound things in a language that was digestible to the people she was immediately around. And that's what I don't think people get. Right, exactly. But right. Catherine exactly. is speaking fast, And I think that, and that in itself, um, whether she's done it intentionally or not, um, I'm pretty sure, you know, when she's in her hypest, when she's in her comfort zone, she is still that. Mm -hmm. um, but in a, in a, to some extent, I'm pretty sure that she has become aware of the fact that um, there's, there's, some, there's so many people who will be like, your tone is both soothing and annoying. It's a New York thing. It's a Latino thing. I get it. Um, and then there's the third setting, which is, completely neutralized. It's the one I access the least um, because it's the one that makes me feel the fakest. Am I freezing? You're freezing a little bit here and there, but it's not like, it's just Zoom stuff. <laughs> I feel like it's just Zoom stuff. I don't I don't think it will affect too much. Hopefully not too much. Hopefully y'all are getting all the, all the good stuff that's being dropped because I think you're freezing, but it's not, it's consistent still, even with the freezing. It's like you you talk, 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 freeze for a little yeah. bit, talk, talk, talk. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, I, I, I feel like the third setting, the, the super neutralized, not that there's anything wrong with that, right? Um, to some extent, 
if you can live there and that's where you naturally live, you're fortunate because uh, people associated with access to language, higher education, a class specifically. Um, but me myself, because I'm just always going to kind of have like um, a certain accent or a certain dialect, I feel like when <laughs> I feel like I'm trying too hard when I when I say certain words, not the way that I say them. Right. And so I could just never do that naturally. Um, but to tell somebody that's not how you talk um, is to not understand that we are multifaceted and we have different reasons for why we talk in different ways. Yeah, I would love to see what this person what this person's background is, because to a certain extent, I'm I'm curious as to whether or not they get the cultural need to code shift when you're a, a when you're a person of color. I don't think you understand what it's like to have to code yeah. code switch, because it's it's necessary in the workplace. It's necessary. Like I have to amongst comedians, I can talk like a comic, and we can we can you know go back and forth right. and whatever. When I am in a room with industry people, I cannot talk to them like they are comedians. I have to talk to them like the industry people that they are, and you have to switch it so that you're taken seriously. I don't think people understand that. Like you have to switch it up so that you can be taken more seriously. So it's such a thing, especially in entertainment. So you were saying, sorry, we got cut off. Um, you yeah. were talking about comics and yeah. with comics and um, the industry. Yeah, and how people. I don't think people understand a lot of times why people need to code switch. Cause I just from a cultural standpoint, I don't see a lot of white people that have to code switch. I just don't, but I do see a lot of people of color that have to code switch. You know, right. I can't talk to my, you know, executive friends or the people in the boardroom, the way I would talk to Catherine or my other homegirls. Like that's it. I just can't do that. You know what I mean? Like the way that we talk, we're just raw and real with each other. You can't walk into a boardroom like that because, and there's this great book. If you really want to know more about code switching and how, how often it's done, even on a, like a worldview, there's a great book called Double Speak that I just started reading. Um, and it's all about how language is used to mislead and manipulate. And part of that, part of that code switching is like, I need to use certain language so that you guys get the point of what I'm saying without getting scared. Yes. But you see, ironically, there's also the opposite of that, that I've learned through my own TikTok. So for instance, mm -hmm. when I talk the way that I naturally talk, okay, so there's natural talk, there's homegirl talk, there's I'm pissed off talk, mm -hmm. and there's business talk, right? This is homegirl talk, but it's not fully natural talk. Meaning yeah. when I'm just explaining something and I'm just kind of having a general conversation, that's not even in that business talk. It's just, I can be monotoned with my accent still there. I noticed that does not work on, on um, TikTok. I need to be a version of homegirl or pissed off for people to feel related, for people to feel the passion. So it's actually the same manipulation because- yes. I'm making them feel like, how do I say this? I turn on the, I want you to clap at the screen reaction. I want you to be like, yes, that's what I'm talking. Yes. That's what I'm doing. I'm not pretending to be someone else. No. I just don't live 
in a in a constantly hyped place either. You yeah. know what I mean? Even Fran Dresser has a monotone version of herself. Yeah, what you see in, on TV of Fran Drescher is uh, a definitely like her to the tenth degree, and it's what performers do. It's what creatives do. TikTok is essentially like a the new brainchild of vlogs. It's like people journaling or vlogging. They're putting forth this content that is either deeply personal, incredibly creative, or something. But it's something that they're putting out for you guys to consume. So it's not just. And this is where people, I think, frustrate me. We forget that we are layered. Human beings are layered, meaning there's different parts of me that you don't get to know just by watching my TikTok. There's different parts of me you don't get to know by watching my stand-up. There's just certain things that are only for the people that I'm immediately around. And there are certain things, and this is the crazy part, kids, that are only for me. Yeah, yeah. That I don't share with anyone. The funny thing is also um, the lack of awareness in there is a difference between talent and skill. Mm-hmm. And even what we're talking about plays a role in that. So when people go, yo, you're really funny. I'm not trying to say anybody could be funny, yeah. but I am going to say there's a lot of funny people, but mm. not everybody can take that funny and add skill onto it. So half of that skill is delivery and half of that delivery is the choice you make. So that what people are seeing is that, yes, you don't get to see every part of me, but I am giving you a part of me that's to give, to to feed into the story. That's all skill, Mm -hmm. right? Right. I think people just look at these things and think, oh, she knows how to turn on the talent. No, the talent was the observation that made me write the the video or the joke or whatever yeah skill was making was me realizing what I needed to put forth in order for you to receive it in a way that gives me the reaction I want Mm. right that is to me this is where I'm like I'm so fascinated by people thinking that and it makes me question are we all um layered or are some of us very you know surface level yes and one dimensional and it wouldn't shock me i'm sorry in a very capitalistic society it wouldn't shock me because when you don't have to have depth why would you yeah well that's the thing so many people are comfortable and this is what i see a lot too like i mean i'm trying to examine it from a cultural standpoint and when you look at you know latino music when you look at Latino poetry or like this just poetry and music and creativity that involves Latinidad. There is such beautiful depth to the language used to the picture painted that you don't see in every culture. You know what I mean? And so not everybody digs that deep. And I remember like, for instance, having a whole conversation with my husband when he grew his hair out long. I don't like dudes with long hair. I, I just don't, I don't find it attractive. If you want to, and now, mind you, I told my husband this. I said, I'm not going to tell you to cut your hair. I don't run you. I'm not your mama. I don't run you. You want your hair long? That's how you like it. That's cool. Keep it like that. I'm going to still hit. But, like, I'm going to still let you hit. But I personally don't find it attractive. And I think you're growing your hair out for a deeper reason than what you think it is. Like, you think, 
oh, my hair looks really cool like this. But I think the reason why you think that is because you associate coolness with long hair, rock music. And and so because you associate that, you think people will associate you with those cool things. So you grow your hair out to give that perception off to people. But is that really what you want to be about? And we had this whole deep conversation about and, you know, he had even said to me, maybe I just want my hair long. And I was like, if you want to take this surface level conversation, we could just keep it surface level. But if you really want to get to the root cause of why you do the things that you do, you got to dig deeper. Because not only, you know, a lot of us have so much lying underneath the surface. I think we all are layered. But I don't think everybody wants to get underneath their own layers. 100%. You know what I mean? Like not everybody wants to dig deep and understand the reasoning behind what they're doing. And this is years of therapy talking right. because I've had to re-examine, re-evaluate so many times in my life, so many situations and so many things. And why did I say that? Why did I react that way? That was, that was too much. That was OD. Why didn't I speak up? Why did I let that person's energy affect me? I've had to dig so deep that like you discover the different layers of yourself and as flawed as they are, you kind of fall in love with them because now you understand them more. So when you do have a certain reaction, you understand where it comes from and it can prevent you from having that same reaction in the next situation that is similar, but only if you choose to dig deeper than the surface level. But yeah. so many people don't want to, they don't want to know themselves that way. Well, and some people just don't even have the ability. Yeah. That's another thing. Ability. Um, which actually brings us to our why are we like this? Yeah. Um, Catherine, the queen of transitions. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it actually makes it, it. This was a very interesting one. Um, uh, I heard a statement recently, mm -hmm. and it said there is a difference between being receptive and being responsive. Um, right. So receptive and responsive versus reactive and defensive. So again, there was a difference between receptive and responsive versus reactive and defensive. I love this conversation already. And the difference has everything to do with how as a society, uh, we confuse vulnerability for weakness. So that's where it's going into what we were talking about earlier, depth. Are we able to access vulnerability or, or do we not want to because we consider it which Therefore, is this person defensive towards my accent thing. Yeah. Right. What, why did that trigger you? Why exactly did this accent thing trigger you? Because I'm willing to bet taking a stab at this as a junior psychologist from the therapy that I've been through. Um, <laughs> I suspect that the reason that this triggered something in you is that you either, two things are possible. Either you consider yourself one of the quote, end quote, realist people who are, you're true to yourself 100% of the time, which by the way is false. Um, no one is. Uh, we literally are taught controlled responses from such a young age and conditioned to respond in cer certain things that even if you think you are the realist you, there's a 99.9% .9 chance that there's still a small sliver of you that fakes it every now and then, or that becomes a different person around certain people. So I think either you consider yourself the realest person ever, or you yourself have been accused of code switching in a negative light. And because of that, you felt the need to call it out. 
But there's no reason. This is why anybody who makes comments like that online, it bugs me out because the comment says more about you, the commenter, than it does about me. Yeah. All right. That's that's the thing with those comments where you like look at it and you're just like, there was no need for this. I was just talking about this on stage the other day about people that throw hate and shade on on the internet. And I'm like, it's like they're at home going, God, I hate this person so much. Wait, do they know I hate them? I should let them know I hate them. And then they have to like write a whole draft, a whole letter about how they hate you and send it to you. And it's like, but do you see how I'm unaffected by it? It doesn't affect my world. But it, for some reason, I affected your world so greatly that you felt the need to say something. Like, what does that say about you? Yeah, yeah. I feel like there needs to be a you a silent you good button. You good? <laughs> yeah. Like, Are you good? I want to send it to everybody, but there's a few that I'm like, yo, you good? I'm not. You don't. You don't gotta explain it to me, but I'm just checking. If nobody's yeah, checking. Yeah, I agree. I think there needs to be like I like the idea of a yo, you good? I just feel like everybody needs that kind of button in their life. Yeah. Right. A hundred percent. But you know, like um in in this whole like the difference between receptive, responsive, and reactive and defensive, I do think that uh, 90% of our population is reactive and defensive. Yeah. Um I, you know, do think that it has a lot to do with masculinity and patriarchal things. I think, I think, um, not that men cannot be introspective because that's not the case, but I don't think men are societally taught to be introspective as much as they're taught to be reactive. Um, <laughs> more snaps, more snaps, more snaps. Uh, so because of that, I think naturally we have been conditioned into a society that is more used to reactive and defensive behavior. Being receptive and responsive is about taking responsibility for the fact that maybe this is a vulnerable comment. So whether somebody's giving you criticism, whether this is a difficult conversation, more people want to um, block away, like, like, oh, it's so uncomfortable. So it's, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Rather than looking at things as growth, right? Um, It's very interesting how, as a society, we act the same way we do um, when we're children and we're forced to do something we really don't like doing. Yep. Yeah, 100%. That carries right into adulthood. And you see it. I love this conversation because people are quite often more reactive and defensive than anything else. because everybody feels like they're being attacked if they're not told that they're perfect. And it's like, reel it in a little bit because nobody's saying that there's something like inherently wrong with you just because someone might have a difference of opinion or not agree with you or not even be into your form of art. Like that's not necessarily this huge character judgment that you're making it. But I think, and it's so funny because I read a book um, and I want to say it's that book uh, by Mark Manson. Uh, Manson? Manson? I think is his name. The guy that did um, the book that I sent you. Well, he, oh. has, an, he has another book called Hope. Uh, We're All Fucked, a book on hope. Uh, how to... Uh, oh, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yes. The guy who wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck wrote another book uh, called uh, We're All Fucked, a book about hope. 
And in this book, he talks about how people are controlled by their emotional brain. Everyone wants to believe they're controlled by their thinking brain, but you're not controlled by your thinking brain. Your thinking brain is in the passenger seat while your emotional brain dries off crazy like Cameron Diaz and Vanilla Sky and tries to kill you both. Like, it's, it's insane how much we are all controlled by our emotions. And the reactive and defensive way of dealing with things is a testament to how much we are controlled by our emotions. Because when you react and you're defensive, it means somebody hit you right in your feels. Somebody wow. struck you in the feels and your automatic response was, I need to defend myself because I am a good person and I am worthy of love and da, 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 da. And nobody said any of that. You just reacted that way because your emotions were triggered. And that's what, what happens to a lot of people. And I think when you evolve as a person and when you have been through therapy or you meditate or you just decide to get real with yourself, you realize you can feel an emotional response to something and know that you've had an emotional response to something. And then you can go, okay, well, that was my emotional response. What do I think about this now? What do I think about this? Because my emotional response automatically makes me want to flip a table, scream, punch things, yell at somebody, cuss them out, and do all kinds of crazy things. But now let's take a step back. That's my emotions. Let's deal with that. Let's journal that. Let's work it out in the gym. But how, how, what do I think about this given situation? What do I think about what the person has just said to me? And how can I dissect it so that it helps me instead of hurts me? Yeah, agreed. And that's an evolved way. That's when you're talking about receptive and responsive is like, yeah, I may have had an emotion. You may have said something that meant to trigger me because people will do that. They will intentionally say things that are meant to be triggers. But then when you don't react, and this is from being with somebody who was very narcissistic, when you're gaslit, that's why so many of us have been subject to being gaslit because it hits you, right? Those people that can gaslight you know exactly what to say know exactly what to say to trigger your childhood trauma, your past relationship trauma, your personal trauma, all of that stuff. And they will say it. But when you have learned enough about yourself, and we go back to layers, when you have dug enough of your layers up and you realize where these things come from, you can step back and go, oh God, I see what you're doing. I I see your playbook now. And now instead of reacting the way that you want me to react... I'm going to react the way the new evolved me reacts to these things. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing that it all comes down to is ironically, because to your point of we are emotional creatures mm-hmm. um, is yet we do not teach people how to communicate once you've acknowledged your emotion. Yes. So even if you got to the point where you can see that this is my emotion and this is my brain, right? If you do not know how to communicate the part of you that isn't going to be reactive, you're still going to be at the same loss. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I was in a situation recently where this actually presented itself. Um, I was presented around, I was presented with somebody who I have recently realized has absolutely no control over their emotions. This is not calling this person a bad person or saying that they do bad things. No. I realized, oh my Lord, you have no type of like, like it controls you. You can't even like dial it in, dial it down, dial it back. That's almost to me nuts because not that I've never let my emotions overrun me. Of course I have, I'm human. But for the most part, I have a, a 
category system of, is this that serious? And I'm talking about an everyday thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about like business, personal stuff that be, that takes on different layers. I'm talking about day-to-day stuff. This was a day-to-day mishap. Let me say this. This was a time thing. We did not agree on a time for something. And when it didn't work out how the person planned in their head, but they didn't also communicate, they let their emotions overrun the idea of, can we find a solution and move on that what I realized was while they were going through their emotional, I don't want to call it madness, but their emotional moment, they started triggering my past traumas with other people who did not know how to control their emotional moments. Now, the thing I have allowed myself to do is because I'm not afraid of vulnerability um, is I always let people know I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm angry. I make that very clear off top, right? And I go, but I'm going to cry because that's the emotion I'm letting out. And the only way I can let the words come out, which I eventually did in this conversation, I said, I don't like this. This really upset me. And I want to understand each other. But the whole time I'm doing it like, Right. <laughs> but I all I made this is something I didn't know as a child, which was they were, well, why are you crying? But why are you crying? Why are you sad? So now as an adult, I go, first thing, I'm livid. And the way I don't bug out on you is by crying. So work past the crying. Yeah. I could either murder you or cry. Right. I'm choosing crying. I'm choosing crying. Yeah. Right. That, that crying is not violence. Crying yeah. is expression. Um, but I'm going to still, I'm not, I'm not so, um, immersed in my emotions because the crying is releasing it, that I still have the conscious thought of what I want to express, which is for in this situation, what is the solution? How do we not end up here again? That's because I recognize this person's, um, unfortunate, uh, inability to, have a a relationship with their emotions, made them defensive, made them reactive. That then triggered my own issues and what I, no matter how much you work on it, people will still trigger things. And instead of becoming defensive and reactive, I allowed myself to be vulnerable. I communicated that I'm going to be vulnerable. And then I was like, you either going to give me the space to talk or you're not. But if you don't give me the space to talk, the way that my defensiveness is going to react is not in this moment. I'm never allowing you to put me here again. Just know that's it because I tried. Mm-hmm. Right. Or if you need the moment, you need to approach this later because you're, you were the issue here. I was just a, a action reaction to where you don't know how to control emotions and communicate. That's where I stand on this. I'm like, I understand that people have a hard time with vulnerability. Honestly, like you said earlier, I'd rather cry it out and look all in your face (laughs) than kill you because that's what will happen. And when I say kill you, it's not a physical murder you. It's even murder you with words. No, I'm going to physically kill you. I don't have time to murder you. I'm going to physically murder you. I, if I say murder, it means I'm going to put my hands on you. Like, 
I, that's where me and Catherine are very different. Catherine will murder somebody with words and she will do it skillfully. I will legit murder you. I have no control over my temper. When it, Once you tap into my temper, I'm like, okay, now you got to die. Now you got to die. That's exactly what it is. You are doing it because you want to make sure that you don't go to jail. <laughs> I'm Right. That's it. I'm doing it because don't get me wrong. I think we all have the murder moment. We can all yeah. get there. Oh, yeah. But I'm doing it more because I noticed that my um, reactive defensiveness is actually where my, my biggest skill is understanding language and communication mm-hmm. can also be used against people mm-hmm. because I'm, uh, I'm very much about like, yo, you wouldn't like it. And it's it, it, no matter what this person has done, how are you going to feel afterwards? I'm crying this out. So I don't hurt your entire existence because mm-hmm. I've got to, that, that's where like um, the hood me has learned how to like, yeah. ooh, I could dig deep and I will dig deep in a way that's not even like them throwing stuff in your face. I'm listening. I'm mm-hmm. acting. How can I turn, you know, uh, uh, turn these, uh, think about like a foosball table. I'm doing that with I'm going to ruin your existence. I'm going to dismantle right. your mental with a few words, with just a choice few words based on the research I've done knowing you. Right. So if anything, for, for Gina, know that it's physical. And yeah, it's it, physical. I'll choke you to out like i will really kill you that's where she is with me if i if i'm angry or if i say i'm angry but i am not at crying point have fear because i'm not not expressing you know what i mean crying means oh she's picking she's choosing non-violent mm-hmm. calm calm, means- calm anger that's when you really have to be careful because it's this and it's so true Catherine. like with me if i'm crying it's because I'm fighting the urge to physically harm you. I want to put you through a wall. If I'm crying, it's because I'm that is my that is my mental telling my physical to calm down. Like don't grab this person, don't strangle this person. But like if I'm calm and I'm angry at you, ooh, ooh child, you do not want that you do not want that heifer. You do not want her. Because she's she's listening, but there is there, you have about, you have a window. You're in a window at that point. That means whether she destroys you now or later is the choice she's deciding. Mm-hmm. You are just digging the hole deeper. And you actually now have the choice to change your tactic. Yes. For, for the first few seconds, I'm letting you decide if you want to still be defensive. Because I've already decided violence. <laughs> yes, I've already chosen violence. Um I'm already plotting your murder. I already have my cohorts that will help me. I have my alibi. I will plan this out. No one will miss you. No one will miss you cuz you're clearly a terrible person if you've made me upset. It's just it's it's so crazy because I totally get what you mean. And people don't understand this about when women cry. It's like, we're not always crying because we're these docile, you know, scared little creatures. It's like, no, I'm crying because I want to murder you and everything you love. And I know I will go to prison. Yeah. Yeah. Like what makes me upset is I can't just murder you. I'm crying because I can't just murder you and get away with it. Because if I could, I would. You see, that's the funny thing. You would. I wouldn't. 
But you're like, if only it wasn't illegal. <laughs> if only I couldn't get arrested. I'm like, if only I could torture you slowly. You know, you're a you're a shoot to the head. Yeah. I'll take his toe off. Let I'm a go. slasher movie. Catherine's hostile. Yes. Like, you know, all the hostile movies, like that's Catherine. I'm Freddy Krueger. I'm a slasher movie. I'm Jason. I'm Mike Myers. I just stabby, stabby. I just stabby, stabby, kill, kill, problem solved. Right. And this makes you question, who's more psychotic? <laughs> the one who kills you quickly or the one who sits there and watches? <laughs> and watches you bleed out. Right. And then goes, oh, was that not enough? Take another toe. <laughs> Take another toe. You didn't learn your lesson yet? Take a finger. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, that's mean. I just slit this hoe's throat. <laughs> like, this got really dark fast. I want to thank my family for listening uh, and watching this. But now you've seen our dark sides. You've seen all, you've seen some of the layers. You've gotten under the layers here. That's why yeah. people, it's so funny with my, with my former management team, my former manager, she used to, always used to ask me, she used to be like, you know, every performer has her like Achilles heel. Like, what's your thing? She's like, I can't figure out her Achilles heel. And I would literally, every time she would say that, it'd be like, it's my temper. And she'd be like, I just don't know what's wrong. It's my temper. She just doesn't have anything that's, I mean, it's my temper. I'm telling you, it is my temper. You've never made me angry. So you've never seen it. But I'm telling you, I know it's my biggest flaw. I know it's the thing that I'm working on the most. I know that I get Hulk smash mad at everything. And I'm like, you're not paying attention to what I'm saying. But it was very evident to me. Anybody that knows me will, will tell you that. Like the worst, the worst, it's my worst trait is how angry I get. Because I do get too angry to the point where people don't want to communicate certain things to me because they're like, she's going to get really mad. And I've tried, that's why, that's been my biggest thing to try to work on. It's like, okay, Gina, don't, no, Gina smash, Gina think, Gina process, Gina be okay with. Like, it's, I love this, Gina, like you doing that. I feel like my biggest, mine is also temper. I just, I just do it in a different way. Yeah. That's all it is. Like you, my, my thing is, uh, I I like I like to um, be honest enough and say you will smash someone's head into a wall, mm -hmm. but I will corner you into yes. and that Cor corner Catherine. The difference between us, Catherine, will make you smash your own head yes, in the wall. That's exactly what it is. I will corner you. Mm -hmm. And have you ever seen um, the movie Matilda? Yes, years ago, but yes. You remember there was the room that they put the little kids in, the choking, mm -hmm. had the, the, the little things coming out? That corner has that. And the person who's going to do the harm is you. But I let you get to the point where I was, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, the last thought in your mind is going to be, to some degree, I did this to myself. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I have you the, did it to I, yourself. I didn't touch you. You put yourself in the corner. All I did was stand in front of you while you were doing it. Your out was always there. You just chose not to see that you didn't take the out. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's it's. But that actually means I have I have way more control over like my temper than most people think because I give a lot yes. of yes. Yes, the amount of people I've murdered in my mind would frighten everyone that knows me like the amount of people and the way I've murdered them because it's not the same but the way I've destroyed their existence in my head 
Like that's the thing where it's like, I, I do. It's true. We have more control over it than you would think with the way that we're talking about it. But it's like, that's because it's literally because I know I can't, if I physically assault you, I'm going to prison. Like it's, that's the only thing that stops me. If there were like no rules and it was like the purge, so many people would die by my hands. It's just, it's just, I would, I would eradicate all the crappy people. You would be, would you be in the streets? I don't know because part of me is like, I would be in the streets killing the people, killing innocent people. Like that would be me. I'd be that person. If I was in the streets, I'd be the person watching out for people just trying to get back to their homes. You know what I mean? And that, and the people that were harassing them, like I'd be the person taking those people out because I'd be like, no, no, you're not going to, you're not going to attack these people. But you see, that's, what's interesting that you would be in the streets, even kind of like putting yourself in harm's way. Yeah. Because you're out there, right? You're yeah. No- you could easily die in the purge. 100%. I'm not that. I'm the, I'm inside. I'm not out here killing. I would give people shelter, but not everybody, but I would give people shelter. I would create a community. Like, mm-hmm. you know I mean, I would be like, okay, we're safe in here. And I would only kill under the, you infiltrated to come. Yes. I would only yeah. kill to that extent. You know what I mean? Like, I would, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't kill. It just, I wouldn't actively be out there. You wouldn't there. go out there. You wouldn't be out there killing, but you'd still be helping people and you would still do what you needed to do to help those people and protect those people that were basically under your care. You see, we've devised a system, guys. Right. She, she's the, she's the army. Yeah. I'm the army. And I'm Catherine like, is, I'm is I'm yes. She's intel. She is behind the scenes. She's communicating with me and going, hey, we got a problem over in Sector G. You got to go take care of that. And I'm like, I'm going to bust some heads. Let's go. I'm going to go bust some heads. You the head in command of all the army team? (laughs) I'm just saying, we're we're prepared for it. We're prepared for it if it happens. I just, you want to be on our side. You want to be on our our good side. Let's uh, (laughs) let's lighten the mood with a little TikTok of the day. Catherine, I will let you take it away because uh, this is a really interesting point about dating that I think is important. Okay, so this TikTok of the day is by Kennedy Kilpatrick. Okay, so I was like, killing. (laughs) It's a theme today. Um, So it's recently someone was talking to me about dating and boundaries, and they mentioned something, and I said, no, that doesn't really bother me. And they asked, well, doesn't it make you jealous? And I responded, no, I'm not a jealous person, but it isn't because I'm evolved. It's because I heard a piece of advice that I, that really stuck with me. It's that you do not need to trust them, them meaning the part, the person you're with. You need to trust yourself enough to leave because there's always going to be someone prettier than you, someone funnier than you, someone smarter than you. That is a losing game. You will always lose to someone at some point. The only thing you can control is you. You'll never control them as hard as you try. What you can't control is what you respond appropriately if they do it. And it's something like that you're going to leave and that you are the only person, that they are the only person left dealing with the aftermath of what they did because it is not your problem. So don't waste your peace. What do we think about that? You know what's funny? I, I was watching this video and I was like, okay, as somebody who has jealous tendencies. I'm not even gonna say I'm as jealous as I used to be because I, I mean, it was insane. It was insane at a certain point how jealous I was and how insecure and whatever. Um, but I mean, I still have some issues, but it's really 
I'll only get jealous now if I feel like somebody is straight up disrespecting my relationship. Right. And like, act- yes. If somebody is actively trying to disrespect my relationship, then I, it's not even jealousy. It's more territorial. It's more like, I'm not jealous. I'm territorial. This is my territory. This is my family. This is my husband. This is whatever. Like, you're not going to disrespect. But I also agree with her point so much because I think you need to trust yourself to be in a place where if if you are not being loved the way that you need to be loved, if you're not being communicated with the way that you need to be communicated with, you need to have faith that you yourself will walk away. And you'll pull yourself out of that situation, no matter how much you care about this person. I mean, I had a girlfriend years ago who broke up with a guy she was with for five years. She lived in Germany. She was with him for five years, broke up with him because she felt like she needed to go on a journey by herself. She was like, I can't have you with me. I can't take you with me. I love you and I will always love you, but I need to do this by myself. And she said it was the hardest thing she ever had to do, but she did it for herself and she was glad that she did it for herself. And I think that that can be viewed as so selfish by a lot of people because we're expected to give it all up for love. Mm. We're expected to just, you know, give up on what we want for ourselves, give up on what we want for our lives and completely adhere to whatever our partner's needs are and whatever. Now that's different from compromise, by the way. That's different from compromise. Compromise is something that can always be discussed. And when we're talking compromise, we're like, well, where do you want to live? Brooklyn or Queens? All right, well, let's live somewhere on the border of both if we want. You know. Because you compromise situations and things, not compromise yourself. Exactly. And I think that's what she's kind of saying in this video is like, it doesn't really matter what the other person does. What matters is that you never compromise who you are for that other person. Don't make yourself need that person more than you need to respect and love yourself. Right. There are people who are okay with cheating. And it's weird, but there are people who can get over cheating, who don't think it's the worst thing ever. Those people are not compromising themselves because where they stand on it, they feel like they can move past it. Don't judge those people either. Right. To those people, it is, it's not about trusting the other person. Maybe, maybe they believe mistakes happen, Mm -hmm. whatever they say. But if you yourself are a, no, I do not like cheating, then she's saying, why are you even questioning saying? Did you, were you just not um, set in your morals, in your dislikes? Like, basically the question is, are you willing to change your standard and your boundaries Mm -hmm. because of um, familiarity, comfort, you know, um, I, I'm even use the word love. I'm even use the word love because here's the thing: you can find love in multiple people. There are different versions of love, but you can yes, love, right. I'm not saying that uh, forgiveness doesn't exist because if you choose forgiveness, that is different. I'm saying some people cannot forgive certain things, and that's why they have an easier time going. Thank you. Have a nice life. Yeah, And if you yourself are not one of those people, why choose regret and resentment? Because that's really what you're choosing, Yeah, right? Like, well, I like to consider it to the analogy of something that um, an ex actually taught me that was a bad habit of mine. Mm. And I think a lot of people might relate to this. I might sometimes go to a restaurant, order something, not like it, Pero not speak up, not say anything. And he would go, Catherine, you're paying for this meal. 
get what you want. Enjoy the meal that you are paying for. And I would go, but I don't want to inconvenience that. And he would go, you don't want them to do their job? The job, the whole point is to go and have a satisfying meal. If they forgot to take out the onions that you asked them to take out, that is not you inconveniencing them. That is them making right what you wanted because you're paying for this. Well, it's the same thing in relationships. I'm paying with my time, with my effort, with my love. So you better take that onion out. And if the onion shows up on my plate, I don't like onions. So bye. Yeah. How many times do I have to tell you I don't like onions before you get that I don't like onions? Right. And and, and there's, and again, mistakes happen. Mm-hmm. Certain things are not mistakes. Certain things are choices. And you need to know how to differentiate between mistakes and choices. Snap, snaps. This is the snap episode. This is the snap and murder. That's what snaps and murder. Episode title: Snaps and Murder. And they're like, "What? What were they talking about this week?" Just rage. Our, our our first book together: Snaps and Murder. Snaps and Murder. Everybody be like, "Oh, that sounds that's catchy. That sounds amazing." It also like, just sounds like like I see your head physically snapping before you murder someone. <laughs> just like snap that crack of what you said. Yeah. What did like, you just say to me? That's um, hilarious. I, I'm here for the don't waste your peace. Just mm-hmm. know what your peace is. Your peace does not look like other people's peace. Preach on it. This episode has been brought to you by the letter A for awesome. <laughs> we are killing it. Um, Dang, we're already at our Dear Gina. I, w- I want to take it to the Dear Gina already because I feel like it fits so perfectly with what we we're just saying about don't waste your peace because I really felt this question. Dear Gina, can women have great sex without catching feelings? The answer is yes, but you have to allow yourself to. Here's the thing. Most of the time, because of conditioning, we are conditioned. Women are conditioned, specifically women, to value sex more than men. It is why we are taught this, you know, this thing about virginity and keeping ourselves pure and how important our purity is. Men are never taught that. Men are never taught to value their bodies. Men are never taught that. That why do you think that it's so easy for guys to like sleep with a bunch of chicks and they're they're considered like amazing? Whereas for us, it's the opposite. It's because of conditioning and how we are taught to value our bodies. We should have more value for our bodies than just sleeping around, right? Because of that inherent conditioning, we often will not let ourselves just enjoy sex without feelings. We always feel like if I enjoy sex without feelings, that makes me a hoe. That makes me a hoe bag for not catching feelings or not being in a relationship with somebody. No, it just makes you somebody who enjoyed pleasure. That was a nice moment. Not everybody, first of all, not every shoe is right for the occasion. Not every person is right for a relationship. You may have sex with a person and the sex could be great, but the two of you do not have relationship chemistry. You have amazing sexual chemistry, but there's no relationship chemistry. And I know people have been in this situation before because I've talked to girlfriends that have been in this situation before where they force themselves to try to see a relationship through with someone that they just had amazing sexual chemistry. That's when people say you're digmatized. That's what that is. Yeah. That's what that is. You're digmatized. The sex was good enough to make you think or make you feel like you had to extend it into a relationship, but you didn't have to at all. You could have just enjoyed being physical with somebody. And then when it's time to call it quits, you call it quits. You know, the trick is, the gag is not to get addicted to the sex. 
to realize that you will have great sex with someone else. Because what, what tends to happen if you, if you can disconnect your feelings, you then get addicted to the good sex. And then you think, well, if I'm not seeing this particular person for the sex that I want to have right now, it's not going to be good sex because I want that sex. I want that sex with that person that knows my body this way. And then you can get addicted to a very toxic physical relationship, which can happen. So I, I, my advice would be enjoy the sex and then let it go. Enjoy it. Enjoy that given moment. And this is like, and I've just been reading so many, but I'm reading like three or four different books right now simultaneously because I love books. I'm secretly, I'm a closet book nerd. But one of the things I've been reading a lot about is presence and being present. And a lot of times what happens is we are not present in the present, we're, because we're not in the present moment, because we're not here. What happens is we have a great experience and then we forget what it's like because we weren't really present. We weren't really feeling it in that moment. What we were doing is we were having this amazing moment with somebody and we were also in our heads simultaneously judging ourselves, making notes, um, comparing. Like we, we just, we have that habit of just not letting ourselves just be in the actual moment. Be here, be present, enjoy the sex. Enjoy it so much that it makes you forget what day of the week it is. <laughs> That's how far out of your head you should be. Because sex is really a beautiful thing. And I think it's so, it's, it's taboo and it's tabooed upon by so many different cultural things that we've, that have been in existence for a millennia that we just accept as truths that are just simply not truths. They're just ideas, ideas that have made it to the top of the pile of ideas that we all believe. This guilt that follows sex around this, you know, the chastity myth, the, all these different things that supposedly make you a good person. I've met plenty of virgins who were total douchebags. So no, being a virgin does not make you a good person. Cuz they're virgins though. <laughs> yes, cuz they're virgins. If you would just have sex, you'd probably be a better human being. Um just saying, just putting it out there. No, I'm kidding. Keep your chastity for as long as you want. Blah 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 before anybody writes a letter. What I'm saying is I don't know. You still need pleasure. You still need pleasure and to deny yourself pleasure, it's like people that deny themselves pleasure don't know themselves fully. You don't fully know yourself because you've constantly been restrained. And I think when we're having this bigger, this conversation about can women, because that's the biggest freaking like myth about women is that we can't just have sex without having a relationship or without catching feelings. And that men can. I'm burpy today. I'm sorry. I keep burping in the middle of my like sentences and it really annoys me that I keep doing it. But it's because I'm passionate about what I'm saying. I feel like this thing, because it's one of my favorite things to talk about, because I think it's a ridiculous concept that has only existed in society and we have accepted it as a personal truth. So many of us where it's like, oh, I can't just have sex with somebody and just enjoy the sex. Yes, you could. Yes, you totally could. If you would allow yourself to. And again, this requires presence. You have to just let yourself be in the moment. We miss so much of life because we're not in the moment. And there's, and here's the tricky thing about presence too, or, or the beautiful thing about it is the more present you are, the more evolved you become. Mm. That's the crazy thing about presence because you start to understand that where I am right now, most of us, and this is getting into way deeper discussion, but I don't, whatever, I'm just going with it. Um, most of us, again, going back to the whole layer thing, when we talk about like presence, we avoid 
presence because we love to live in the past. We love to constantly be thinking about what happened before in this situation, or we're either in the past or we're in the future. We're never in the present. It's like we're thinking about the past, past relationships, past issues, past drama, or we're in the future. What? Oh, well, I've been here before, so this could possibly happen. This could possibly happen. We spend so much time trying to figure out all the chess pieces that we're not even looking at the board that's right in front of us. And I think when we're talking about sex, have great sex, like, come on now, let's just all be grownups. Great sex is amazing. It is one of the most incredibly freeing things you can ever experience, but you have to let yourself experience it. And I think that's, I think that's the biggest thing to sum up my very long winded answer is, <laughs> is I think, yes, women can totally have great sex without catching feelings if you allow yourself to, and if you allow yourself to be in the moment. So yeah, I guess I was really into that question. Catherine, uh, you go now. <laughs> um, so I agree with everything you said, right? Um, but I'm going to highlight that the word you kept bringing up was enjoy. And yet the, the word in the question is great. And those are very different words, right? Because um, yes, I agree. Women can enjoy sex without catching feelings. But great, is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down this route. Great is subjective, right? What you consider great is not what I consider great. So this question as, as it's written really depends on my definition of the word great. So I can enjoy something, but not consider it great. Now, this is what I mean by that. Me, myself, I am an, an emotional creature. That does not mean I emotionally attach to everyone. But I have my greatest sex when I'm emotionally invested in the sex. That does not mean I don't have enjoyable sex that don't have emotions. But if a guy were, if it were a non emotional type of situation and he were to be like um was that great sex I would be like I enjoyed it see that's not great sex that's saying I enjoyed it it's like having a meal it got the job done but, but I, I think I I'm sorry I just I love everything you're saying I wanted to I, it's interesting that you point that out the difference between enjoy and great sex because I think you are absolutely right when it comes to your personal definition of great sex and for you, that means you need an emotional connection. It does not mean that you need to catch feelings or be in a relationship with this person. I need to feel connected to yes. right in exactly. some way. Yeah, I need to vibe. There's it's, Which it's, I think gets mistaken by men as catching feelings. Yes, exactly. So that's why I like to use the analogy of food. I consider great like a meal. I don't devour everything. I enjoyed it. Like I said, it got the job done. But I did not sit here like, yo, I need to go back for that. You know what I mean? Like a, like a good meal. Well, that to me is when I go great. That is about connection. That is about the vibe. That is about, I don't even, like there's certain, certain situations. I've enjoyed both. But for some reason, I was sweaty in this one with one person and sweaty in this one with the other one. Didn't notice the sweat here, but totally noticed the sweat there. That's because the same vibe wasn't on, like yep. in the room. 
right? So I'm just not in the same headspace. So I could still come um, uh, 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 get to completion, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I have the same like experience. In order for, I think it's such a recipe of things that needs to, it, to be precise for it to be great sex. Because I do agree with you in that there's no great sex without some kind of connection. And this goes back again to the importance of presence, the importance of being there and feeling that connection. Because there's been plenty of times, and I know so many people have gone through this, men, women, where you've had sex with somebody where there was really no connection whatsoever. And you were like, eh, take it or leave it. I don't really need to think about that sex ever again. And then you have had mind-blowing sexual experiences with somebody that you relive on a constant. That's the word experience. Yes. It's yes. great. Great sex is experienced. Right. I, here's the thing. I believe men are so um, like, like about the actual completion. Mm-hmm. Right. And also the visuals, the sounds, that kind of stuff. That's their experience. That's where they live. That's also why they're such um, visual creatures, mm-hmm. right? And I get that. They're sensation and visual. We are auditory. We are all of it. We're smell. We're Sensory, all we're everything. We're sensory in every level. They can be those things, but I think it changes depending on um, the person. Yeah. There is nothing greater to me, again, using the word great, then when a man um, discusses a sexual experience we had with words like intense. Yes. Right? Because now you're, you don't have to use the word great, but in, there's no way. It wasn't great. There's it no way. You said intense. It was great. It was great because that let me know, oh, you was feeling it on levels. Mm-hmm. You were in a different place with it. And that is that goes beyond the physical like bing bang boomness yes can i enjoy sex without feelings but yes men don't understand that this is where women we know how to connect and disconnect and we even know how to switch wires yes y'all don't understand how cold-blooded we could be like we we understand the code more so than y'all like and this is no disrespect or shade understand it's because we have to we have to know the code to protect ourselves. We have to know the code. Like the way that w- men navigate around the world and the way that women need to navigate around the world is completely different. And the more you understand that, you, the more you understand the psychology of the opposite sex. And then when you come back into play with this great sex thing, that is why, yes, you can have great sex without catching feelings. But I do not think you can have great sex without some form of connectivity. You need some form of connection to that person. In order for it to be great. Otherwise, it's just good sex. It's like you said, it's like, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was great. It was like an appetizer. The word I I've, um, I had somebody say to me is the difference between, um, what what is it? Uh, intimacy. Mm. Lacking the intimacy. Mm-hmm. Just because we have intimacy does not mean we have emotions. Yes. I can be intimate with people that I'm not emotional about. Yeah. And the intimacy does take vulnerability. It does take a version of closeness, but it's just the same way you can be intimate with a friend, right? That's why 
friends with benefits, for instance, can work if there is an understanding, if there are boundaries, if there is a respect. Oh, respect is the number one word. Because respect is do not violate me because don't violate my intimacy with you. Right? It's not, it, it goes... There's the, the, the hardest thing is not a bing, bang, boom situation. Shit. The hardest thing is not even an emotional situation. Sometimes the hardest thing is the in-between one. Yep. Yep. That's that's the truth. The situationships where you don't know where you stand with a person. Those are the harder things to figure out. Yep. But believe you me, we can't have great sex without catching feelings. Don't get it twisted, fellas. We can't. Or ladies. Don't get it twisted, fellas or ladies. We can right. have we can have great sex without catching feelings. And then uh, to, to just say one thing that I really wanted yeah. to highlight. Um, the thing is with women, going back to your point about uh, somebody who it's just really good sex and you don't know if you're going to feel like you're going to find that mm-hmm. again. Um, I understand that we do live in a society where men are not necessarily taught to please women or women haven't spoken up about what pleases mm-hmm. them. I think that the... This this idea of women can't have great sex without catching feelings. One is rooted in, like you said, virginity, purity, and all of that. But half of it is also rooted in this idea of we need to advocate for ourselves. You didn't like it. You didn't finish. Girl. Say something. Send the meal back. You said no onions. Like, that's it. So you said no onions. I didn't take my undies off so that I could literally not complete and say that and if the and if the person's gonna get mad you shouldn't be giving them no coochie i will share one situation where that did happen where i had a a friends with benefits situation years ago with somebody and it was it was cool it was chill it wasn't was it the greatest sex no it was not but it was something it was nice i've you know it was more like the personality of the person that i dug and then we were having a conversation and he was like, well, I can never tell if you've finished. And I was like, no, you can't because you've never seen it. And he was like, never. And I was like, no, you've never seen it. I'm not saying that I still didn't enjoy it, but I did not enjoy it to its fullest. And that's just me being real with you. You have not done the things. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. It was not great. It's just there it's like I was hungry and I wanted a steak but there was this bag of Sour Patch Kids that was right by my computer so I'm just gonna eat the Sour Patch Kids and I'll get the steak somewhere else you know what I mean like I'll just I'll get the steak later right right that's exactly what it is it's like and that's why you know what I respect guys that I do not mess with any men who have some type of issue with experimenting in sexual Mm -hmm. So whether that is toys, whether that, whatever, because the whole goal is to please your partner. Now, mind you, boundaries matter. So if you don't like something, say that. I'm saying if the reason you're saying no is because of your ego. So for instance, men who, and I've heard, I've never experienced this, but men who do not like a woman using a vibrator, then you don't want her to come because maybe she needs the, the, the stimulation. Mm-hmm. Why can't she use that while you're doing what helps you? Yep. Right? I've heard, I've literally heard girls be like, no, he doesn't like that. Girl, he don't want you to be happy. That's what he just told you. He doesn't like that. What about what you like? What about what you need? 
does he ever do y'all ever have that conversation that's why talking about sex is the most important thing in a physical relationship if you're going this is without this conversation of great sex without catching feelings we're now talking about in the realm of your relationship if you are with somebody and you have not discussed the things that you like the things that you don't like the things that might trigger you the things that really turn you on that you've never told anyone before like these are intimate conversations that need to happen with your partner or else why are we doing this Right. We're wasting time because what's what's going to happen is like this leads to so many issues with couples, so many intimacy issues, issues of cheating, issues of emotional cheating, because they go to seek out what they need from someone else because these conversations were never had. Right. So we've talked about a lot today and I have loved it. This was a four star episode. Y'all just go four star review episode. Um, give us 17 stars. You can't even give us just four stars on this one because I feel like we really dug deep um, and really let it out. Uh, so yeah, Catherine, tell the people where they can find you. You guys can find me on Instagram at, at Catherine G Mendoza at Catherine G dot Mendoza. And on TikTok is the same at Catherine G dot Mendoza. And on Instagram, um, Twitter, um, it is Twitter. at, yeah, I was like, I don't know where I'm at. Kathy, Grace24, Kathy's K-A-T-H-I-E. Hey. Okay. Um, you guys can check me out at Gbrione on Instagram. The TikTok is at Gbrione80. Uh, my website is ginabrione.net or .com because ballin'. Uh, check out The Floor is Lava on Amazon or head over to HBO and uh, check out some of the work I've done over there. Uh, you guys know that I love to end the show with a piece of advice my mom gives me to this day. So when life throws a lot at you, handle it one catastrophe at a time. Until next time, people. Deuces. Bye. Go to sleep, I call him a night cat. Born killer, you a born killer. Mm. Go on, get him. Go on, go on, get him. Mm.